and horror hounds this is brett from dimension z joined as i am every week by greg of the dead how you doing man i want to party yeah it's about time one of my favorite movies of all time and we're joined by intern Corey. welcome back what is up bitches welcome back sir uh, this is the best to have like a big party on for well because it's party time it is <laughs> it, it is party time Oh, and to both of you, welcome to the other side of 100. Yeah. Yeah. Holy shit. We did it. <laughs> you done did it. I really, I feel like you really found your voice around episode 46. <laughs> I, I got that reference. <laughs> All right. So Return of the Living Dead. All right. Before we get into this, what do you guys think of this movie in general? Uh, Corey, you're the guest. Would you like to go? Honestly, and I, I know I'm going to get some hate on this. I'm going to say it's my favorite Living Dead movie. You're not going to get hate from me because in our, what was it, Brett, our 25 best 80s movies? Yeah. I said the same thing. Like, I love Dawn of the Dead. I love Night of the Living Dead. I love Day of the Dead. But, like, some, like this one is me. It's, it's punk rock. It's zombies. It's 80s. It's just, it's kind of, it's my personality in a movie. No, when I say it's my favorite, I don't think it's the best. I no, don't think no. it's the best by any stretch of the imagination. No, it's my no, favorite. No, no, no. A lot of my favorite things are by no means the best of anything. What about you, bro? Where do you fall with this movie? There was a period of time when I was younger that Night of the Living Dead, the original one, was my favorite zombie movie. Then I saw this in probably like high school. And this became my favorite zombie movie for a while. Now it's back to Night of the Living Dead, but this one is right up there. I would say, like, top three. And no one can follow you for that. Look, we just did Night of the Living Dead last episode. We both gave it a perfect score. Exactly. And it's uh, this is, like, loosely based on it. I love all of the, like, lore of Night of the Living Dead that they kind of put in this and then, like, squash. Dude, they go real meta with this, don't they? Like... Night of the Living Dead exists, so it's not a sequel, but the movie exists, but it was real. Yeah, it exists as a movie, but also based on a true story movie. <laughs> Which I'm a sucker for. Anytime it's based on a true story, I'm like, yay! <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah, absolutely. But even by the, who was it, Frank's like story where he's talking about, well, it was based on a real thing. Look, it's barely based on the story he tells. It's like when people go... Texas Chainsaw Massacre is based on a true story. I'm like, yeah, Ed Gein was a person, but none of that happened. It's the same way with Frank's story about how it was a true story. It's based on a true story, except there was no Texas, no chainsaw, and really wasn't even a massacre. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> All right, but 1985, directed by Dan O'Brien, written by John Russo, Russ Dreiner, and a few others. Oh, Dan O'Bannon. Dan O'Bannon. Yeah, oh, Dan O'Bannon also wrote the screenplay. Yes, which was originally more serious, and then he pumped in all the stuff we love about it. I do not want to live in a world where this is a serious movie. I'd love to see a take on it. Well, I know John Russo, who did the, like, John Russo and Russ Streiner together, who, from the original Night of the Living Dead, kind of wrote the original, like, 
screenplay that it's based off of, like the very serious one. And Russo sells the script for that, like at his booth. Yeah, we just saw it at Living Dead weekend that we were both at. We saw him have him there. Yeah, and he's I, he's honestly going to be a, at a convention close by me again. And he's the only one that I'm like, I kind of want to go just to see like John Russo again and be like, hi. I'm not stalking you, I swear. Yeah. Uh, can I have your <laughs> autograph for a fifth time? <laughs> so, Dan O'Bannon was a pretty big creep too. Do you guys know about this? No. no. Um, the one who plays, what's her name? Is it Tina, uh, Freddie's girlfriend? Yes. Right. So the girl who played her, I believe, uh, he told her, we'll come by my house. We'll go over the script and everything. She went to his house, which, and he was watching pornography and had a gun on the table. And it was such a sketchy situation. And then the scene where she falls in the mud, it was clear they had the take and he made them film it like 12 times. And he just, Seems like a pretty creepy, shitty dude. Huh. I, I was unaware. But, yeah, but, it, but this movie is still incredible and one of my favorite movies of all time. You know, I think we all need to learn to separate art from artist a little bit more. Oh, 100%. But I love the beginning of this movie. The card that comes up, the events in this film are all true and everything happened and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> Best, you know, based on a true story card ever. And we get a date of it's July 3rd, and we even get a time, I believe, of, you know me, and I love that in a movie. Making this the second best 4th of July weekend movie ever. Well, you guys say Jaws. What's the first? Jaws. Okay. I agree with that. (laughs) I mean, I'm put, yeah, I can contend it, but I'll, I'll agree to it for now. Well, this movie, Greg has been like, oh, yeah, I want to do Return of the Living Dead. And I'm the one being like, well, actually, it's a July 4th movie, so we have to wait for around July 4th until we can do it. Oh, you're that guy. Yes. I've been fighting for this movie for a year. And so it came up that episode 100 was Night of the Living Dead. And I said, like, I don't care. We're doing Return right after it because I'm not waiting another year to do this movie because you won't do it out of season. No. <laughs> I love but you guys. After that card, it starts with Frank, who I love, showing Freddie, played by the incredible Tom Matthews, Tommy Jarvis himself, around his new job at Unita Medical Supplies. I love the comedy duo that is Tom Matthews and James Karen. They are so oh great together. They they should have done more together. Well, they did Return of the Living Dead Part 2 together. Well, yeah, but more. Yeah, I agree. I'm greedy. And no one likes Brett. Return of the Living Dead Part Two. No, they're the only really good part of it. And even they, at one point, go meadows like, "Oh, this seems familiar." Not so bad. <laughs> but he's showing them around. You see the half dogs are sold to veterinarians. You see the skeletons with their perfect teeth. Perfect teeth. Perfect teeth. And he thinks there's a Indi- a skeleton farm in India because how many corpses do you know that die with perfect teeth? And I always wonder, like, what does he mean by skeleton farm? Of just, like, they kill people and then take their skeletons? Or I like the thing of, like, they bury bones. Like, they bury, like, little bones. And then it grows into a big bone tree. I, I, I want it to be that. Because yeah. I, I want skeleton seeds. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but then we see the fresh cadaver room. And there's a very yellow body in there. Why is this person painted yellow so much? Jaundice? That has to be it. Did you ever see the design for the original cadaver zombie? Yes. No. 
I love the shamed makeup effects artist, the first one. And it's like, it looks almost like, you know, in Back to the Future when he dresses in like the big, like yellow space like helmet. And he's like, I'm Darth yeah. Vader. It looks yeah. like that kind of. <laughs> oh. Well, if you don't know, the story is they hired someone who basically lied to get the job <laughs> to do all the makeup on the zombies and everything. And this was the first one he did was the cadaver zombie. And it looked so bad. And they fired him on the spot and it actually delayed production because they had to get a new guy in and everything. There's a couple nice. shot. There's a couple like wide shots where like you, the zombies in the background and they're wrestling it that you can still kind of tell that it's that version because it's all wrinkly and shit. But it's like, Way in the background, you can't even hardly see it. That's all they used of it. And then we we had a quick cut to our favorite crew, all the punks walking down the streets. Oh, I love them. Looking for a place to party. I just want to party! Do you like sex and death? Then fuck off and die! I love that. <laughs> and look, I used to be involved semi in the punk scene and stuff like i i uh, lost all my scene cred a long time ago you and i met through the punk scene what well, exactly and brett to be yeah. honest too this is how i met both of you but it's this is so cartoonish and over the top and i think they know that too oh they had to know it they absolutely had to know it yeah there's there's no way that they're playing this straight this is what they're really like right i mean no <laughs> But sure, why not? <laughs> These are like the poser mall punks that they were talking about in like SLC punk. Exactly. And they're going to go get Freddy after work, and that's their whole thing. So they're going to find a place to party. Because Freddy got them. a job. What a dick. Yeah, I know. Why, why'd Freddy get a job for? Sell out? <laughs> I just love the fact that, you know, that he just like, the line was, he got a job. What a dick. It's like. <laughs> <laughs> that's not very punk rock of him. <laughs> like every punk I know had a job they're sitting at work and Freddy asks Frank about the weirdest thing he's seen because he's already seen quite a few weird things around this new job and he tells him about Night of the Living Dead you know that movie? well it's based on a true story a bunch of these containers got out with 245 trioxa, trioxin and you know it says how that made flesh eating monsters but the government told him they had to change all the details in the script when they released it and one of those barrels was shipped here. Do you want to see it? This is one of my favorite mess-ups in this movie, too. Because he says all this stuff happened in 69. Greg, when did Night of the Living Dead come out? 68. Yeah. You know what? I never caught that. Well done. But uh, but uh, Frank says all this happened in 69. Nice. Well, I, I watched this movie like, like five times. Like this you, week, you didn't need to do that. We don't do that. You didn't need to. It was in the. It was in the syllabus. <laughs> I love Frank's. Like, do you want to see him? Freddie's like, what? He's like the corpses, and he like sticks his tongue out. He's like, oh. <laughs> Dude, there are so many pot shots at the army in this movie too. Like, they're downstairs, like. They're not going to open, are they? After they look in and see it and everything. Goes, of course not. These were made by the Army Corps of Engineers. He smacks the side and it opens up immediately. <laughs> <laughs> but that's what happens. He smacks it. And you just see, like, the, all the gas leaks out. And the zombie just starts melting. It's actually a pretty good effect. And the gas goes up through the vent system and everything like that. And then we get the... As much as I love the soundtrack, like, all the, like, bands and songs we have for it, 
I also love the original score that they have in here for the opening credits. Now. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, like, it's good. It's, like, creepy, and it's 80s. <laughs> like, this might be one of my favorite horror soundtracks, just score and soundtracks, just ever. Oh, I legit listen to it on a fairly regular basis. Oh, yeah, Sir. Surf and Dead is on my playlist. <laughs> Surf and Dead, um, Tonight We Make Love Until We Die. <laughs> oh, um, I can't hear that song without getting a certain feeling after this movie. <laughs> <laughs> That's when Greg of the Dead has his special times. <laughs> but after opening credits, we cut to this uh, general going home. He's a dick to his wife. She's like, I made your favorite lamb chops. Had it for lunch. <laughs> He's a colonel. A colonel, thank you. But... That's all going on, and then he goes and he calls, like, I'm at home, I'll be here for the evening. He's the guy in charge of finding all these missing containers. I guess some of them just got shipped off to wrong places, because, again, there's just all these weird, like, army shots. It's like, you know how the military is shipping things. Things get lost and sent to the wrong place. And I love that this is what, it's been, it's been going on for 15 years they've been looking for these containers. And his wife is like, how much longer are you going to have to do this? I was like, until we find them, Martha. (laughs) Martha's the real hero of this movie. I mean, he's one of our only survivors. Why did you say that name? (laughs) Um, The punks are riding around with Suicide to the warehouse where Freddy works. Suicide is the one who wasn't with them earlier, and he has his name, Suicide, painted on the hood of his car. He has a chain from his nose to his ear. He is the most over-the-top best thing in the world. Like, he's literally spray-painted on his car, like, who cares? Fuck you! Like... (laughs) (laughs) And, like, he's like, I know the only reason you guys talk to me is because I have a car, and he's 100% right, I'm pretty sure. That's the only reason anybody talks to this guy ever. Because he's that punk. They're like, oh, you're you're kind of a spook, spooky motherfucker, aren't you? He's like, spooky? What the fuck you mean by that? And he like jumps in the back seat and starts beating the fuck out of him as he's driving. Yes. As he is driving, they're going like over the railroad tracks. <laughs> what time do they arrive to pick Freddie up? Like, but he gets off after ten. Don't they get there like seven thirty or something? It's like seven thirty or eight. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's yeah. like hella early. And like, like, well, what can we do? And they see a cemetery that's right by the medical supply warehouse. Like, what about there? Also, did you guys catch the name of the cemetery? Oh, resurrection. resurrection. <laughs> yes, Resurrection Cemetery. Eerie foreshadowing, maybe. <laughs> and I love trash yeah, just... Linnea Quigley's character. It's like, I want to go in there. I love death. <laughs> <laughs> she is best. so over the top in this movie, and I love every second of it. It's like, my fantasy is to be torn apart and eaten by a bunch of old men. Have you ever thought about how you wanted to die? (laughs) What's going on with her voice in this movie, too? Because I've seen a lot of Linnea Quigley movies. She doesn't usually talk like this, either. It's her punk voice. (laughs) I'm gonna assume it was just a character choice. It's definitely a choice, I'll give it that. And it works. It works. Yeah. I, I believe she's talking to Miguel Nunez, who's Spider in this. And he's like, I yeah. really try not to talk, think about dying a whole lot. Dude, it's bad that I like Spider. I like Miguel Nunez as Spider. But fuck if I can't forgive him for being in the worst Friday the 13th movie. Oh, those goddamn enchiladas. 
Oh, God. I just have flashbacks to that piece of shit every time I see him in this movie. I just had enchiladas for dinner the other night. I mean, I love enchiladas, but... Are you saying Friday the 13th Part 8 is the worst Friday the 13th movie? Yes, it is. No, I'm saying Part 5 is the worst. Oh, Part 5, okay. No, but Part 8 is. No, it's not. No. 5 is. Nope. No, 5 is We had a whole episode about this, Brett. But we cut back to Freddy and Frank. They wake up from the gas knocking them out. And the zombie in the tank is gone. Frank says it must have melted when the air hit it. They're both really sick. Dude, you need to get to a hospital right away. I don't... I'm blown away that the, that's not their first instinct. We better call the boss is their first idea. Well, it was it was, it was 1980s. It was America. You know. Yeah. It's, it's, like, it's like it's the same deal as like when you guys were talking in Vampire's Kiss. You know. With, I don't uh, remember. What did I say in Vampire's Kiss? Like when you were talking about her mom just yelling at her for not going into work that day. Oh, yeah. Alva, soup! <laughs> soup! <laughs> I'm calling the police! <laughs> but they go upstairs to the phone, and all the half-dogs have reanimated, at least the half that's there, and the little butterflies pinned to the thing are all flapping their wings. <laughs> they hear a noise from, like, in the cadaver room, like, oh shit, it woke up. They flip over the half-dog, and at first it's wagging its tail, and then you see the, like, inside part. They start beating it with a crutch, and it starts, like, yipping. <laughs> I didn't like that part. I don't you care if it's a half dog. Though. You don't. You don't abuse half animals. You Frank give them love. Is selling this scene to perfection. Like I just love him this entire time. Like from here to like when Bert shows up and everything. I just love watching this dude. It's hilarious. The cadaver's beating on the door, so they hurry up and lock it in and call Bert. And we had to wait for him to get there. So we cut back to the cemetery, and then we get the. I'm tempted to say the scene everyone remembers from this movie. This is Lane talking about, do you ever fantasize about dying? Yes. And then she talks about her perfect death scenario, about the old men tearing her clothes off and biting her, as she tears her clothes off. And I love the one guy so nonchalant, like, get the lights out, trash is taking off her clothes again. <laughs> like, this is an every Tuesday occurrence. So, do I tell you guys the fun fact about this scene I would love to share. Please. You did tell me about it when we met up the other day. Okay, so this scene, obviously, Linnea Quigley, and then for the rest of the movie, is naked. So she got naked, and the producers came to the set, and they were horrified. They're like, oh my god, you can't do that. You can't show pubic hair in this movie. Like, no, you gotta change that. So Linnea Quigley did how you remove it. She went and shaved, came back, and they're like, oh no, you can't show genitalia in this movie. That's terrible. So now what? So they made basically like a Ken doll cup. Like, that she had to wear, if you notice, the entire rest of the movie. I went back and watched it for the fifth time after you told me that. And yeah, you can see that. Yeah. Yeah. She has, like, a weird prosthetic over her crotch for the rest of the movie. Had to be uncomfortable. Oh, yeah. I can't imagine that was a good time. But that's all. That's my fun fact. And she's dancing to Tonight We're Gonna Make Love Till We Die. And everyone's standing there with their road flares, having a good time. Much more exciting than what's going on in the warehouse, or at least a more fun time. It's like the first time I watched this, it's like inside out. It's like a core memory has been created. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> fun fact about the band that sang that song. Hmm. They later went on to record the hit um, Two of Hearts as Susie Q. For real? For real. No S shit. SSQ became Susie Q. And recorded the song Two of Hearts. Nice. Oh, well done. 
Dude, this soundtrack is great. Like, you have TSOL on there, for like God's sake. TSOL, The Damned, The Cramps, cramps. 45 Grave, um, Flesh Eater. Yeah, it's wild, like, how good it is. Remember, like, how they didn't get the punks right, like, like as a cartoonishly on purpose, I think they got the soundtrack spot on with the set with the soundtrack being this good. They had to know what they were doing with making the punk so over the top. Had oh, to to like, if they were to pick an over the top kind of punk band too, like the cramps to do surf and dead, like one of the main songs of it is like, yeah, you picked a good band for that. Oh yeah. Yeah. Bert shows back up, and right away he wants to destroy the evidence. He's like, I can't do this, like, I'll get sued, all that kind of stuff. And then he sets up an attack plan. Okay, Freddy, you're gonna open the door. He's gonna run out, and Frank, what's he give him, like, a pick? Yeah. Like a... Like a pickaxe. You brain him! <laughs> and Frank's like, I don't think I can do this! He's like, be brave, Frank! God damn it! This is Freddy's first day on the job. <laughs> <laughs> I I don't think this job is for me. I love it. Like, the guy training you is now crying and is going to have to kill an undead cadaver. That's what your first day of work is like. And all your all their information is based off of like, well, everyone's seen Night the Living Dead. We know exactly what to do. So like they try to like kill the brain. Like later on they're boarding themselves up in the house. It's just like, do what the movie did. <laughs> We don't have a basement. Get in the attic. Freddy opens the door and the yellow zombie yells brains, runs out and starts choking Bert right away. Frank brains him with the pickaxe, but it doesn't work. It's like, well, that's what happened in the movies. <laughs> what do we do now? Well, hold him down. Do you mean so the movie's lied? Yeah. <laughs> Is a Freddy say that crying? Yeah. <laughs> the movie lied. the head. And the body's running around reanimator style, and I love it. <laughs> They're going to take it across the street to the crematorium, because he knows Ernie over there. He's a good guy. He'll help him out. More oh, on yeah. that in a little bit. Yeah, yeah. he's a Ernie's real a good, good guy. guy. <laughs> um, back at the, cost, at the graveyard for a quick second, we get the, do you think this is a costume line? You know, just worth mentioning. Oh, yeah, and I love trash. This is my like, life. Like, suicide's going on about his, like, motto of, like, I'm a punk till the end. Like, I'm a true... You think this is a costume? This is a way of life. And Trash is just like, yeah, it is, baby. Like, basically dry-humping his leg. And Sue's like, get off of me. <laughs> Do not interrupt my punk soliloquy. <laughs> but we're now introduced to Ernie. And okay, let's take a minute here, guys. Yeah. Alright, so me until here. recent times, Ernie was one of my favorite characters in this movie. Yep. <laughs> I always thought it was a little weird. Ernie's very Aryan looking, nothing wrong with that. You know, people all look different. But the, I did notice the gun he has is, what's it called, a Walther? A Walther P-38. A German Which was the Walther Nazi P-38. sidearm. Yes. Yes. Yes, it that was. That always struck me as a little odd, but I'm like, you know what, okay, whatever gun you can get, A lot get, of people collect guns. A lot of people collect guns. Especially World yeah. War II guns. Let's go on to some more evidence about Ernie, though. Corey, would you like to take this? Oh, I let, all right. You know, in my, in my internship capacity here, I, uh, I did a little digging. Um, the song li- that Ernie is listening to on his headphones while he's, you know, embalming is actually a song called Panzer Rollen in Africa Vor, which means, in German, means the tanks are rolling in Africa. 
It was the march song of the of of the Third Reich's Panzer Division in Africa, under the direction of uh, Erwin Rommel, the Desert Fox. Yeah. Um, so let's go on more. There's more. Oh yes, more. Um, he has pictures of doesn't have pictures of his family on his desk. He has pictures of Ava Braun. History lesson, fellas. Who was Ava Braun? Hitler's wife. Yes. I also noticed on this watch through, he has a poster of Hitler in the background of his embalming room. Yeah. Why is Ernie a Nazi? Why? (laughs) Uh, Ernie is not such a good dude, apparently. Yeah, they bring, like, Ernie these, like, bodies. Like, can you get rid of these bodies for us? It's like, oh, yes, I am very good at running ovens. Yeah, can we talk about what his profession is? He <laughs> runs a fucking crematorium! <laughs> what this the has been, fuck? Like, and this has been history with intern Corey. Like, uh, Ernie is actually, like, Goebbels. Or something. Yeah, dude, you know... Where are you from, Ernie? Oh, Austria. Austria, definitely. Definitely I'm not. From, I am from Argentina. <laughs> yeah, that's what I meant. Argentina. That's what I meant. <laughs> what the hell? My name is Ernie Rodriguez. <laughs> Dude, he was always one of my favorites before I realized this. Greg brought that up to me that you, Corey, had like noticed all this stuff about him, and then just watching it again right before like we recorded, I saw the poster in the background, and I'm like, what the fuck? And then, like later on, he says something in German. Um, it means it means um, f- he says something about the rain and how it's falling hard. I can't yeah. remember the exact phrase he says, but I looked up the translation. It means falling down like a drunk soldier. Okay, I would like to add a disclaimer. I am not a Nazi supporter. <laughs> I just oh, happened, I don't think anyone got that. I just happened to notice this and went down this weird rabbit hole. Dude, it's wild, though. Like, once you pick one thing out, you see all of them. I'm like, oh, holy shit. Yes. <laughs> once again, you realize, Ernie, not such a good dude. I always liked Ernie. I felt bad for him later in the movie when he, like, breaks his ankle and he's hobbling around. I felt bad that, like, he was one of the last ones there and then, like, the attic gets broken into. They ask Ernie to cremate the rabid weasels they brought over in garbage bags. They're like, oh, I can't cremate him alive. That's a job for animal control, don't we? Oh, no, we, we just think you really got to put him down. It'll reflect bad on the business. Someone shipped him to us on mistake. No, people will understand shipping accidents happen. No, Ernie, we need you to cremate them. Call animal control. Put him down first. Like, Ernie! Like, finally, they show him what it is. They open the bag, and the arm that's cut off from everything else just grabs Ernie's leg, and he's like, okay, I'll do it, but you owe me. Oh, we also forgot when they first show up, he explains rigor mortis, which does come back into play later. Yes. Yes. It's almost 10. Tina, Freddy's girlfriend, breaks away from the group to go wait for Freddy, and that's all. She's there. They load all the bags into the incinerator, smoke goes out the chimney, and this is the worst time for a rainstorm to hit, because it starts raining, going through all the undead smoke onto the cemetery. And I just love how quickly it happened for the rain to penetrate six feet of soil and a casket lid. Well, we get that soil shot. It's very loosely, like, packed in there. It's like they just buried all these bodies yesterday. (laughs) 
I do love the like sideways soil shot of like it going down through the dirt. Like the one of my favorite camera effects in a horror movie. It's so good. I, I, I absolutely love that shot. Oh, and it's so good then when you see them coming out of the ground too. It looks really nice. Yes. But it's also important to notice like when it's raining, Trash is complaining about her skin burning because the whole ending thing. Like that's good to note. But And she completely drops her uh her punk gothy voice at this point. Oh yeah. Because that's not her real voice. <laughs> um, they all run to the car because of the rain and it burns and everything, and the car won't start because <laughs> It's Suicide's car. Look at it. Well, I love, like, they're like, <laughs> roll up the window, Suicide's like, I smashed them out. <laughs> <laughs> um, Frank and Freddy at this time are really sick and pale. They're not looking good at all. So Ernie calls for some paramedics. And they're not the first paramedics we will see once we get there. Um, Tina's at Unita. She goes in the basement looking for Freddy. And who are we introduced to? Oh, holy shit. One of the, the greatest best. zombies ever. The Tarman. best. Love Tarman so much. He just takes one look at her and goes, Brains! With that nice close-up shot on his face that I love. She locks herself into a locker. And this also shows how smart these zombies are. Because Tarman, instead of just smacking against the locker, he grabs a hook and, like, a hook and chain <laughs> to the door, like, and then to a wench, like he's going to open it up. He understands well, simple machines. Having recently rewatched like the original like Dead trilogy and Night, Dawn and Day, it's so funny how many, especially in uh, Dawn of the Dead, how many zombies are carrying around guns, but they have like they're not aware of it whatsoever. Oh, especially in Land when the one picks up the gun and shoots it. But, like, Flyboy literally has a gun on his finger, but it just so happens to be there because his finger, like, hooked up when he died. So it's stuck there. <laughs> Rigor Mortis is a bitch. But so he's there trying to get Tina out of the locker. All the punks show up because, like, where'd Tina go? There in Unita, they hear her screaming downstairs, and Tarman grabs Suicide and just bites through his skull. They get Tina out, and everybody, rightfully so, runs away. By the way, when they were going to the basement earlier, Frank says, Watch that step, it's a bitch. Uh, Tina crashes through that step. Another thing about the director not being such a nice guy, he didn't tell her about that. Oh, really? Yeah, he just let her put her foot right through it. So that wasn't... Was it planned, or...? It was planned, but not known to the actress. Oh, okay. What a dick. You could get so hurt with that. Why are you trying to injure, like, if she breaks her foot or something, you're fucked until that thing's healed. <laughs> it's the 80s. I'll say wrap it up, keep going. Rub some dirt on it. <laughs> But um, the paramedics show up, and they're checking out Frank and Freddy. Like, no blood pressure. Let me use your stethoscope. I'm not getting any pulse. They didn't even have their stethoscopes in their ears. <laughs> really? Yeah. Oh, well, that's why you're not getting any readings. <laughs> <laughs> like, if, if you look close, they do not have them in their ears. I'm mad I never caught that. They asked Bert, like, what kind of chemicals did they inhale? And he's like, I don't know, it's something from some canister. They're like, well, what canister where? And Bert's like, well, I don't really know. He's like, well, could you find out? Your friends' lives could be at stake. And he's like, well, yeah, but I got to make some phone calls. I can't do that till morning. The paramedics, like, roll their eyes at him. Like, okay, fuck this guy. <laughs> what, their, their body temperature is 70, room temperature. And they realize, like, they're, you're dead. And I love Freddy. We're dead! 
<laughs> well, I mean, what would your reaction be if you were still conscious, but someone just told you you were dead? I'd be like, well, you're wrong. <laughs> Don't, I got better. <laughs> yes. At this point, the punks go to the morgue. They go decide they're going to go to the morgue, and they're running away because there's a zombie at this place. They're going through the cemetery, and all the zombies start rising up. You have the cool score going as the rain's going. You see them crawling up out of the dirt. The almost completely deteriorated one, which is weird because your eyeballs are one of the first things to deteriorate. This thing yes. only has eyeballs and is a skeleton. But anyway. You know the disgraced original makeup effects artist? He did that. Oh, really? And it became one of the most iconic things and one of the most iconic things in the movie. You see it still with eyeballs and you see the dowel that like controls the jaw in the back. You do see that, yes. Yeah, very much. <laughs> Pops out of the ground, opens his mouth, right as, Do you want a party? It's so good. I love it. And all the dead rise out of the ground. Our boys in Only Flesh do a really good cover of that song. They do. Oh, I love really? it. If you guys do want to check that out, uh, Only Flesh, who also runs the Slaughtered Lamb designs that we're a big fan of, yeah, you can go uh, check that out. Rev is just, uh, it also features Rev's wife and his little puppy in the video. They're all running from all the zombies for obvious reasons, and they get trash, and her fantasy comes through. She's mobbed by a bunch of old men zombies. Yeah, good for yeah, her. And she's fighting it. This was your fantasy. Like, you should be coming so hard. Why are you screaming? Or maybe that is why she's screaming. Or do you think maybe she's just a poser? What? But she has the red hair. I don't know. I don't think she's a poser. That's impossible, Corey. They, they all, the suicide had a hook from his nose to his ear. All these people are 100% legit. He spray-painted suicide on his car. There was an anarchy <laughs> symbol on there. Damn, I just got deducted 10 experience. You lost 10 punk points. <laughs> They're all running. Some of them get split up and end up back at Unita. The other three of them are at the morgue. Ernie lets the three of them in, and they're trying to explain, like, they're everywhere. What's everywhere? Listen! And you just hear the collective, from outside. The paramedics go back out to the ambulance, and the zombies mob them, and they make a plan. Ernie goes outside for the car, and is chased back in by the legless zombie. And I forgot about this on my rewatch this time, and what a delight that was to rediscover, <laughs> because I love that scene so much. It's it's just it's just so amusing. Like I know it shouldn't be amusing, but like it is. Because I'm pretty sure when watching the behind the scenes of this, that that actor actually didn't have legs, and they were going to have him crawling at first. And he's like, "No, I can run for a little bit." So that's where you see him run for a while until right before he falls over, they cut. That is awesome. But I love that the guy was like, "No, I can run for a little while. Please let me run." I love it, dude, because you expect him to crawl, and you just see him go running after oh. Ernie, chase him back into the building, and I love it. That dude gets all the points. That Now knowing Ernie's background, I'm, like, paying attention to everything. He has, like, the super long, like, leather, like, overcoat on. And unless you're Silent Bob, that's the only other person that should be wearing that. Hey, I have one of those. <laughs> well, or if you're a View Askew fan, because I also have a long coat. <laughs> or if you were goth in the 90s. The Undertaker? Nah. Don't you say a bad word about the dead man, Brett, or this podcast you, is over. Did you just end? But, but, 
you still don't eh the Undertaker. I like Paul Bearer. I like the fat man with the urn. That was Undertaker's manager. Yeah, I like him. <laughs> but we need to find a new internship. They're securing the building, just like last week's episode. And one of my favorite moments that everyone, if people who don't like this movie, they point to this scene to poo-poo it. People of culture, like us, know that this scene is brilliant. The zombie getting on the radio, send more, more paramedics. paramedics. I love it so much. And it's just it is so, so great. And it completely leans into the, like, yeah, they're, like, they have uh, fault patterns. They, like, are still, like, know what to, they know to ask for paramedics, even though, like, these people look like they're from the Civil War. Because <laughs> these aren't Romero zombies. And they actually do explain it pretty well. Like, if they're intelligent, why are they still trying to be cannibalistic and eat brains and everything? They do have a really good way of explaining it later on. They do. Can we take a second off the story here, though? I want to talk about the cultural influence of this movie. I know we talked about that a lot last week, too, Britt. Mm -hmm. Other than Night of the Living Dead, I think Return of the Living Dead is the zombie movie that has the second most cultural influence out of anything. And I don't mean that jokingly. No, uh, absolutely. This is where we get the whole brains thing. Oh, yeah. If you exactly. just, you ask Joe Schmo on the street, tell me something about zombies. What does, what noise do zombies make? They're going to go brains. brains. Yeah. And isn't this one of the first examples of them rising out of the grave, too? I think so. Because they didn't show them rising in night or dawn. No, or day. Or day. Yeah, I think this is one of the first examples of the zombie hands coming out of the grave and everything. Yeah, I mean, this, you know, and how iconic is that, like, how many horror conventions use, you know, the zombie hands rising out of the grave in front of a moon as their, as their logo? Yeah, exactly. This movie's insanely influential, and no one, I feel like, gives it the proper due that it's deserved. Hashtag justice for Return of the Living Dead. Exactly. So are we at the boarding out part now? Uh, yes, well, oh, we, we jumped over there. it a little bit, but you can but go on it. It's just, well, it's because Surf and Dead kicks on, and I just love the, like, upbeat punk song going along with the, like, it's the classic thing you know what to do with zombies. Like, oh, there's zombies, board up the house. And it's just and them all the running from room to room, boarding up the house and yelling at each other, like, get over here and help me! Help me! <laughs> and do the dead. Well, they do exactly what the movie said, because the movie doesn't lie. Except we've already proven that the movie does lie. <laughs> they make Bert explain the chemicals and everything. He comes clean to everyone there. Um, and this is where Frank and Freddy are going into rigor mortis. And the 911 dispatch listen to the zombie, and more paramedics arrive. And I love that this is a running thing throughout the movie. Vehicles pull into the cemetery... People get out of the vehicles. They are instantly swarmed by zombies and taken down. Yes. And I, like even like later, like the police show up. And then like another one's like, send more cops. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're delicious. But zombies are starting to break through. And they're all at the one window where they're coming through. And this rotting woman bites through the Mohawk guy's head. And he pulls back and pulls her in. And they get the window secure, but now they have a zombie in there. But she, thankfully, doesn't have legs. Some of the coolest puppet work. I love this. Yes, yes absolutely. 
Uh, Scuzz was that uh, was the man's name who was eaten by the half zombie. Thank Scuzz. you, Scuzz. But they tie her down on like the operating table, and Ernie's interrogating her again. Something he probably has a lot of. And you get to see the zom titties. We do see the rotting green zombie tits. Yes, <laughs> zom titties. But, like the saddest of all boobs. Like dead boobs are sad, and these are rotting. <laughs> That's the one time I was watching that like, I was talking with, with one of my uh, one of my coworkers and he said there's no such thing as as sad boobs. I'm like the old lady in the shining, the half zombie in Return of the Living Dead. Yeah. And then they inform and then they inform me that they've never seen Return of the Living Dead and I no longer talk to that coworker. <laughs> as you shouldn't. But we get the whole exposition here when he's interrogating, why do you eat people? Not people, brains. <laughs> Why do you eat brains? They make the pain go away. I love her, like, delivery of this different stuff, too. I love the fact that she doesn't have lungs. Yeah. <laughs> or a diaphragm. Logic. You have to realize skeletons can move with no tendons and everything. You just have to accept it. And still have eyeballs. I absolutely accept it. I just find it hilarious. Maybe that guy just died with two fake like glass eyes in. They're so easy. Maybe they're not actually eyeballs. It just looks like he has them. We'll go with that. Yeah, he was like some old pirate. <laughs> I love the haunting reality that these people just learned of the afterlife that no living human should know that being dead is painful. Because you can feel yourself rot and brains make the pain go away. Like, can you imagine just even learning that for real? Like, oh, holy shit. Like, you're like, if you think people are nervous about dying before, once you learn that, no, you just lay there in pain for eternity. I really don't want to die now. It's like the one Doctor Who episode where, like, the dead can feel or something. And it kept being like the do not cremate. Because if you get cremated, you can feel all of it. Oh, jeez. Then we also cut to, I love how it's the song that she was stripping to, but a slow down part, like, version of it. Trash rising from her mud puddle that she was, I guess, not eaten in? Just bitten? Makes no sense, but I'll, I'll allow it. Because you see zombie trash rise from the mud to, tonight! And she rises up, it's all cool looking. And Linnea Quigley was saying how, like, extremely cold it was filming these scenes. Because it was already cold, and now she's, like, covered in mud, and she's, like, in a giant puddle. I think she got, like, a strep throat or something from it. She got sick from these scenes. Oh, I believe it. But she kills a homeless guy. By the way, Count of the Dead in this one, we'll just save that for the end, actually. You know <laughs> yeah. what? There's no point in even doing that now. Every time I see this homeless guy scene, it's like you see the poor homeless guy, and he's pushing the thing down, and he's like, oh, I found some good cans today. And he looks over, it's like, is that an extremely hot, pale redhead walking towards me? And then just immediately Trash's mouth gets like three times bigger and just like basically swallows his head almost. <laughs> Dude, zombie Trash is cool looking. Yeah. Yeah. I think she's the only one we see come back from, from being bitten in this one. She is. She's our Johnny of this movie. Suicide is downstairs and they go back downstairs later and he's still just dead laying there. Yeah. Well, so. Because they ate his brain. I guess they didn't eat trashes. Maybe. Oh, obviously but, not. But they, they took a bite of her head and they're like, ew, hair dye. 
<laughs> oh, but then again, destroying the brain doesn't matter in this. So maybe that maybe they did. Because, like, we established or, that the movies aren't right. Suicide is still being, like, anti-establishment. He's like, zombies are I'm supposed not coming to walk. Back. They're just supposed to walk around and attack people. I'm not conforming to that. I'm just gonna lay here. Fuck you, zombies. You're not gonna be a conformist. <laughs> I love it. I would have loved that. I don't know why they didn't put that in there. That's perfect. Like He, like, turns over. He's like, fuck off. I like the pain. <laughs> At this point, they put Freddy and Frank into the chapel room and lock him in there, and Tina's going to stay behind with them. Two cops arrive because they've had two teams of paramedics come here and not heard from, heard from them. They're both swarmed by the horde instantly. Zombie gets on the radio, send more cops! At this point, in the chapel, Freddy fully turns. He's all zombie now and wants to eat Tina. Oh, I love the transformation of, like, he's, like, screaming and, like, writhing in pain. And then, like, you see his eyes roll up into the back of his head and he goes quiet. Then a second later, his eyes come back and he's like, I can see it all clearly now. I know what I have to do. <laughs> Did either of you two see, see the sadness yet? Yes. No. Well, anyway, all I'll say is I feel like they lifted their big climax from Return of the Living Dead. I will have to check it out. Oh, I can kind of see what you mean. It's wild. That's all I'll say. Let me know if you do watch it. It's it's a wild one. Ask Brett. Yeah, I will absolutely. Great. I will absolutely check it out then. They open the door to get Lisa out, and they throw acid on Freddy <laughs> and burn him. So he's kind of blind the rest of the movie, and Frank escapes in the madness. Yeah, like how he just kind of like side shuffles off to the side, like. Oh, I'm going to go over here. And nobody questions it. I know it's a little later, but we'll finish Frank's story now. Okay. As if Frank was originally supposed to, like, then just become one of the undead. But the actor, James Karen, was like, I have this kind of idea for Frank. And I love, and his idea is what got put into the movie. And I actually, like, really love that he's still cognizant enough to be like, I don't want to be what happened to Freddy. So, like, and they even did the throwaway line earlier when he leans over. He's like, I could operate that machine. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, they did. Yeah. And, dude, it's weird. It gets, like, sobering sad for a second, even though I know it's still supposed to be funny when he puts himself into the, what's what's the machine called? Crema Just a crematorium? Cre yeah. Cremation oven. Creminator. Creminator 5000? as you called it before. <laughs> but he loads himself in, takes off his wedding ring, and hangs it there. It's all sad. Yeah. And just burns himself alive, and you hear him screaming. Love the song that's playing in the background there, too. Uh, Burn the Flames by Rory Erickson. Oh, it's perfect. Because even earlier, Frank's like, I need to call my wife. Call my wife. And then he's like, puts the wedding, he like kisses it and puts it on the thing. It's like, oh, like, I just think of like his wife is sitting home with like the pot roast and like a couple candles lit on the table, like ready for her husband to get home. The kids are like, where is daddy? <laughs> I would assume Frank's kids were out of the house at this point. Well, if this is yeah, also look, the look 80s, at Frank. he could be 30. We don't know. Back then, That's people true. aged differently. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> He could have been like 25 in this movie. Exactly. <laughs> On the bright side, they, they'll they be together real soon. Yeah. Ernie's foot is broke getting Tina out to safety. Um, that's all. Spider and Bert go out through the horde for a car. They get it, but they're swarmed right away. They drive it to the Unita entrance, but they can't get out. 
and they eventually do, but the car is on fire for some reason. Why is the car on well, fire? They crash it through two zombies and then a wall. And they go back in, and the car catches on fire uh, because 80s logic. And they go into the you need a like, medical supply place, and they're like, well, the car's on fire. It's like, it's okay, I still have my car, and we still have uh, Frank's car. And if there's a huge explosion, they're like, not anymore. <laughs> I'm sure Razor Rob will explain to us why the car caught on fire. Most likely. Uh, more cops arrive, and they're in a perfect row, all of them. All of them have two doors open up, two <laughs> cops get out, and they're all just swarmed instantly. Like I said, every vehicle that just pulls up lasts like three seconds. <laughs> it's just a death trap. It's like, I guess it's like a dead-end cul-de-sac of there's no getting out once you get back there. Yeah. It was it Tina and Ernie are hiding in the attic now, and Blind Freddy is wandering around beneath them trying to get into the attic to get Tina. And it's real evil and scary sounding as he's talking to her when he wants to eat her brain. Tina, if you love me, you let me eat your brain. You made me hurt myself getting out of there, Tina. But it's okay, I still love you. Bert, Spider, and the other two opened the basement door to Unita, and rest in peace to our big slimy boy, they knocked Tarman's head off. Yeah, I love he's like, open that door up, I'm gonna knock the fucker's block off. <laughs> and then he does. Way to call your shot, buddy. And then he swings it, and the head knocks off towards the people, because it hits the one girl, and she's <laughs> like, ah! They get to the phone, he calls the police, like, what's going on in there? And we see they have a barricade set up, they're taking out the occasional zombie that gets out, and then the zombie horde led by trash just run out and overtake the whole police barricade while Bert's on the phone with them. I think this scene's awesome. Yeah. Like, the, the breakout right there. Absolutely fantastic scene. So I love them. Bert is like, he holds the phone up, he's like, yeah, they're breaking out of the containment. Like, this is getting worse. He realizes he should do what he should have done 15 years ago when this thing arrived and he calls the number on the tank and he's transferred to the colonel. And I love even the colonel was asking him questions. He's like, why didn't you call me right away? And he's like, understandable. Because you have to be like, well, I'm not going to call the government right away and turn myself in. Like, understandable, sir. <laughs> Bert's not paying taxes. He's the kind of guy doing every kind of write-off in the world. It's a cash-only medical business. Exactly. The colonel... Calls in a nuclear strike on the town. I love the enthusiasm of the guy with the, the nuclear codes. Oh, yeah. He's sitting there, like, reading a comic book. And then, like, gets called in to, like, nuke... What is it? Kentucky? Like, Louisville? Louisville, Kentucky. Louisville, Kentucky. And he's just like, yes, sir. Uh, one, three, five miles. Yes. And I got the coordinates. Yes. And I will nuke them now. Now back to my comic yeah. book. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How do you just get so chill right after? Like, do you just go home like normal after that day? Well, I'm not a, a nuclear bomb technician, so I uh, I cannot confidently answer that question. Like, you go home and you see on the news that Louisville, Kentucky's been nuked, and you're like, wait a minute, co coordinates wise, and let's see, miles wise. Oh fuck, that was me. Then you say to your kids, look, that's what daddy did at work today. They're like drawing mushroom clouds with crayons. With a daddy, daddy. with an arrow towards it. <laughs> and you hear the radio go, yes, sir, less than 4,000 dead, sir. Few complaints of burning irritation to the skin, but nothing to worry about. The rain will clear that up. Well, so setting up for this is going to keep going. And then... 
that's the end of the movie, but we get the weirdest ending, because Do You Want a Party kicks back on, and then we just kind of get, like, a greatest hits montage. Yeah. I liked it. I also love there at the very end, like, you hear the missile coming, it's like, and Bert's like, wait a minute, what's that? And that's as soon as, like, Freddy breaks up to where uh, Ernie and, uh, what's her name, Tina are, like, in the attic, and it's like, everything, like, lines up to, like, as soon as it was about to hit the fan, nuclear strike. Exactly. It is, I like the freeze framing they do right there and everything. Yeah. It's, it's such a bleak ending to such a fun movie. It's almost like they watch Night of the Living Dead, and they're like, you think that was a fucking bleak ending? We're gonna kill 4,000 people! Less than 4,000 people. (laughs) What a way to kick off our whole summer party of a July with everything we got coming in. What a fun movie. There's no bigger firework than a nuclear explosion. (laughs) Exactly. True. ending to a 4th of July movie. America. (laughs) <laughs> all right, before we get into all end of the episode stuff, anything we missed or final thoughts or anything like that? I, I think we're good. Uh, yeah, I'm trying to... I don't think there's anything else I wanted to hit that I didn't, but it's just always such a fucking great movie to watch. All right, so let's get into Count of the Dead. Count of the Dead's where we tally up all the deaths in the movie. Where do you guys think Return of the Living Dead brought us? Um, I counted 42 deaths. 42? 42. If we, if, we, if we are not counting the citizenry of Louisville that we did not meet in the movie. Alright, let me give the speech I always give. We do not count cities, worlds, or any or anything like that blowing up. So yes, you would be correct. Right. It's 42. The Gr- it's the Grindle rule. <laughs> well, that was actually Solaris. Brundle was the ship they were on. Oh, it's the Solaris rule. <laughs> the <Yes>. Solaris rule. <laughs> Brett, you want to take a guess? Uh, I'm going to say, what did Corey say, 42? Yes. I'm going to say yes. 43. <laughs> Fuck you, Bob Barker. Now look, Corey, you watch this more than me. You're probably right. I only got 40, though. Well, I have, but go down, suicide, trash, um, was nah, uh, the two paramedics, the first two paramedics, the second two paramedics, uh, Scuzz, the homeless man. Then we get to the uh, the next two cops, which would be nine and ten. Um, Eleven was Frank because he cremates himself. Then twelve through twenty one, I counted five cop cars. I got those. Yeah, and that, so far and that, I'm in line with all of you. I think right, I know so where our discrepancies at. That's twelve through twenty one. Uh, and then um, I'm going to assume this is where um, discrepancy is. I counted 15 cops. Oh, I counted 13. I couldn't tell if they were more or different. See, I, I counted 15, and I included the guy that Ernie was on the phone with that was standing out there. Or not? Yeah, no, uh, not Ernie Burke. Excuse me. You know what? Just for sheer, you watched it more times than me. I'm going to go with your answer <laughs> for the first time. Someone else is telling me Count of the Dead. 42. I had time on my hands for this one. Like I said, I'm like, yeah, I, I counted all those. Once we got to the big scene of cops, like, you know, you're probably right. I paused it a couple times. <laughs> That's why we have you as an intern. I am good at my I job. Just, even episodes you're not on, I got to start making you count all the deaths in the movies for me. That's going to be your intern job. Corey, watch this movie. 
Every week, Greg does his count of the dead. Ah, ah, ah. And I do my ratings from Dimension Z. Thunder noise. <laughs> oh, why did I do like a nuclear bomb coming in sound? I'm real disappointed in myself, Carl. There we go. Bomb sound. So basically, I take the movie and I rate it 1 through 10 from something from the movie. 1 being the worst and 10 being the best. And I do not come up with that thing until right now. And I'm thinking a good one for this one would be like punk bands. Okay. Okay. So a number one punk band, the worst kind of punk band. I gotta Simple go plan. Sex Pistols. No. Fuck you, Greg. Yes, the sex, they started yes, it the all. Sex Pistols. Sex Pistols. <laughs> they did not. Yes, the Sex Pistols. They did not. The Sex Pistols came about because Ian McLaren came to New York and saw the Ramones. This has been an ongoing fight off show with me and Brett for like two years. <laughs> well, you know what? I'm joining Greg on the. I'm joining on Greg's side. The Sex Pistols suck. Exactly, which is the most punk rock thing you can do. Sid Vicious couldn't even play bass. Exactly. They didn't even plug him in. It's because he thinks that's the most punk thing there is. You're so bad. No, it is not. Amp. No, it is not. His job was to cut his chest with bottles and bleed. Yeah, and right. Iggy, okay. Iggy Pop even did that better. He did peanut butter. All right. <laughs> What's your number one punk band, Brett? I'm going like Avril Lavigne. What? Uh, Avril plan? Lavigne is much more punk than the Sex Pistols. No, come on, Greg. Mm, I'm going to have to go with Brett on this one. Because Avril right, Lavigne so- was completely manufactured. The Sex Pistols oh, yeah, were only I, I kind of manufactured. I, I just want to irritate Brett. <laughs> and a number, a number 10 punk band is the fucking Sex Pistols. You mean the Ramones? You mean the Misfits? Or the no, Misfits? No. Or the Damned? We have the a standoff here. <laughs> Who did it before all of them? Oh, this is good. Okay. A 10's a really good punk band, but this will go on forever. <laughs> It's a 10. This is the fucking the Ramones, the Ramones, the Sex Pistols of movies. It's perfect. I love this movie. Join us on join us next week on Throbbing with What is a Punk Band. <laughs> but the least they're like one of the least punk things to do is argue what's punk. <laughs> or is it the most punk or is it the most punk thing? I'll go last with mine. Corey, your guest. You can go ahead, intern Corey. Ah, uh... You know what, honestly, I'm going to give this one a solid 9.8. Ooh. You know what, Brett? Yeah. I'm with you. Hall of fucking fame, baby. Yes. Perfect. I fucking love this movie. You know what, I'm going to amend. I'll, I'll go. I was debating. I was debating between a 9.8 and a... Give it a 10. What's the give it a 10. Two? What's the point two in your mind? I don't know. I'm old and cranky. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to round your 9.8 to a 10 anyway. So I'm rounding it up anyway. There we go. All right, so the Throbbing Horror Hall of Fame is any movie that gets rated a perfect 10 by both me and Brett. And this becomes, the, I believe, only the second movie to get the Golden Hall of Fame of the guests also rating it a 10, which joins Hereditary, which was entered by Brandon and us. That's Return of the Living Dead, which enters... Oh, I'm supposed to read the Hall of Fame, right, Brett? Yes. Okay. Return of the Living Dead enters the class of the Hall of Fame with Halloween, Evil Dead 2, Army of Darkness, Hereditary, Trick or Treat, 
Texas Chainsaw Massacre, The Fly, Dracula, Night of the Living Dead, and now The Return of the Living Dead. A very rare back-to-back Hall of Fame. You mean Predator didn't get Hall of Fame? (laughs) I tried. I gave it a 10. (laughs) I gave it a point one. It's a great horror movie, though. Thank you. Thank you so much for that. (laughs) I'm liking this intern, Brett. I think I'm going to hire him. No, I don't like him anymore. (laughs) He's too too argumentative. Yeah, but I'm also bigger than you, so take that into consideration. (laughs) That doesn't matter in podcasting. I'm in my room. (laughs) I know where you live. I have my hatchet. Greg, you wonder why I have a hatchet on my desk? It's for protection. From Corey. (laughs) And you think I don't own a hatchet? Are we going to have a hatchet fight? Yes, hatchet fight. I have all four hatchet movies. I beat both of you. You're just throwing the DVDs at us while we're actually fighting with hatchets. <laughs> You're like the yes, And I have my folding I have my folding camp saw in my hand right now. Let's go, Brett. Greg is the uh, CD Hellraiser from Hellraiser 3. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Love it. Keep an eye on social media for what we're doing next week. Exactly. That's what we're doing now, so we don't get locked into anything if we want to do a new release or something. Yes. Yes, Alec. I'll make sure to post that. All right. That's all I got. Corey, I, thank you so much for coming back on. As hey, much no as problem, fun to buddy. pick on you, I love when you're on here. Yes. I you. love you. I love you guys, too. All right. Well, we hope the return of the living dead have left your brain throbbing with horror. Do you like throbbing with horror? Their early shows were a little too avant-garde for me, but I hear if you follow them on the social media, they do terrific work. You should probably rate them five stars wherever you're listening to them. It makes their show a cut above the rest. Make sure you tune in next week. Wouldn't want to miss another episode, right? (laughs) Hey, Paul!